too. Welcome back to the Angie and Mike show. And I know it's a Friday. I know she talked to us earlier, but I am I, I'm leaning on our friend, Wendy Patrick, attorney, author, public speaker, to try and help us understand some of the weird legal stuff going on in our world today, especially in Washington, D.C., with the Senate trial and all that stuff. Hello, Wendy. Hi, Mike. It's always a pleasure to join you. I'm so happy you're here. I, I watched with rapt attention yesterday as uh, Justice Chief Justice John Roberts was sworn in, and then he swore everybody else in. The, you've always told me, look, the Senate thing is not really a trial like a trial we've ever seen. Does it bear any resemblance to a typical court proceeding? Absolutely none. You know, the resemblance is that the Chief Justice will be wearing a black robe, I'm guessing. <laughs> That's about where the resemblance stops. stops. He is not going to take an active role. Neither did Justice Rehnquist in the Clinton trial. Remember that? I kind of took a back seat. Roberts is going to do the same thing here. It is more prestige than power. It is ceremonial in terms of what is his role going to be. He's not going to be calling balls and strikes the same way a trial court judge does. That's not his role. Uh, he will be swearing people in, and he will probably be certifying the result, whatever it is. We know what it's going to be. They're not going to remove him. They're going to acquit him. But that's about it. So all of this commentary and speculation about, oh, he's going to be making decisions and weighing in on what witnesses should be called, no. The Senate's going to be voting on the procedural matters and the substantive matters, including witnesses, motions to dismiss, etc. However, having said all of that, Mike, it is not like we have a lot of precedent to guide us in terms of what the Chief Justice may or may not decide to do. Because this is a role he's unused to, the fact that two, a majority of the Senate can overrule one of his rulings if they like. Those are the rules. Uh, this is really unprecedented territory in terms of what might happen here, because we've never seen a trial exactly like this. Um, that's one of the reasons it's going to be a very interesting proceeding. And hopefully you and I will be discussing next week exactly what did happen. Yeah, well, we won't get to see anything really until later in the week, because... The Senate's uh, adjourned until Tuesday, and there's a bunch of paper, a paperwork being filed, and Monday's Dr. King Day, but nothing until Tuesday, and so we're going to have to wait, and there'll be a lot of pundits flapping their gums about this. I, I, I was laughing, Wendy, because today I flipped through all, or yesterday I flipped through all the cables and was watching their coverage before Justice Roberts came in, and they were all wondering... Will he wear a robe that's just a plain black robe or will he have stripes on the sleeve like Rehnquist did? I'm like, really? We're talking about stripes on the sleeve? That's a story? Well, you know, what else are they going to talk about? You know, it's human nature to be interested in the details. Uh, remember how much press that, that slow walk, the one-minute walk between the House and the Senate. Okay, Nancy Pelosi had a month to do it, right? One and a half minutes. There are more people are talking about that and the pens that she apparently had made and where did the money come from for those pens. These are kinds of things that people are interested in. Nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody. Let's just say a large percentage of Americans do not take this process seriously in terms of the president is really going to be removed. Many of them don't even under really understand what happened on that call that has caused all this flurry of activity. So when you really look at what regular Americans care about, because let's face it, Mike, they are the jurors. 
not the senators. We all know what's going to happen in the Senate. The voters are the jurors. And when that ends up happening and this goes public and everybody gets an opportunity to see what is and isn't there, that's when we're going to see the real voting occur at the ballot box. That's uh, you're so right. That's the real court of opinion that matters. And it's the uh, election in November. Uh, I'm watching it and I'm kind of happy it started because uh, all these senators kind of have to be quiet. They can't really say too much about it right now because they're jurors, which makes me happy. But I wonder about the Supreme Court. Does the chief justice's absence delay all the cases in front of the Supreme Court? Well, they're going to work it in. They're going to work it in just like they did last time. Because remember, he's not always going to be presiding over the trial. He's going to obviously have to take care of business. So that's one of the reasons that sometimes you see the start date being uh, start time being 1 p.m. Of the, of the trial. Many people were asking, well, why aren't you starting it at 8 a.m.? One reason I would say is we all know that Congress people are up all night passing legislation and arguing, so they can't exactly start at 8 in the morning. But another reason, I'm kidding about that, another reason is exactly that, that the Chief Justice has another job to do. And so they are going to have to work this trial in to make sure that he can do both, that he can play both roles. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, There is a, a, a sort of an unfolding story that relates to this, that over the last few days, this character, Lev Parnas, a guy who I don't think any of us really knew who he was, he was a, uh, a, a guy who hung out with Rudy Giuliani and was associated with Giuliani. And Parnas is now in some hot water for some campaign finance laws because he's not exactly an American uh, citizen. And he was allegedly saying that he was acting on Giuliani's behalf, but Trump's behalf. And today I want to play something for you. Today, uh, everybody's replaying this clip from CNN yesterday when the foreign minister of Ukraine, a guy, uh, Pirostyko, was asked about Lev Parnas. And, you know, did had he talked to him? Did he have any conversations? And I thought CNN was gobsmacked when this guy gave him this answer. Furthermore, he has now said that he is spoken to key officials within President Zelensky's circle. Since you are one of those, and you were when this happened, did you get that message from Lev Parnas? It's all, all, all Ukrainian media as well, today and yesterday. And strangely enough, my name was not mentioned, although I'm Minister of Foreign Affairs. And I, frankly, I never spoke with this individual. And again, frankly, I don't, I don't trust any word he is now saying. So you have a Ukrainian official who said, I've never spoken to the guy. And frankly, I don't trust a word he's saying. Is is this guy kind of like the Ukrainian equivalent of Michael Cohen? Yeah, you know, Mike, it all comes down to source credibility. And this is problematic. You know, see, as trial lawyers, we don't ask questions that we don't know the answers to, because this is the kind of thing that could happen. So (laughs) it's... Certainly, it was not the result that was intended when the question was posed. Um, the White House has said, hey, we are not afraid of this guy. This is not somebody that we believe carries a lot of weight. Um, and, you know, that begs the question. Now everybody's, you know, questioning his motivation. 
So it's just another interesting wrinkle, Mike. You know, I mean, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, at the end of the day, you go home to a family you love and you want to support and you care about prescription drug prices and you care about national security and education and jobs and all the rest of this, it, it, it's entertainment and it is important. But when you have characters like Lev, you know, coming up at the 11th hour after the trial has already taken place in the House, you got to imagine that he might not carry a lot of weight with either side moving forward. I, I think you're right. I even saw uh, Preet Bharara, the former uh, prosecutor from the Southern District in New York, doubting the credibility of this guy. <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe it had something to do with that note he had on the hotel stationery from the Vienna Hotel. And the note was written in English, which is not his first language. It's not right. his second language. It might not even be his third language. So I'm just wondering, you know, there's a lot of credibility questions with the hotel stationery. Yeah, yeah, that's an understatement, Mike. Yeah, we, we could, these little details, and the devil's in the detail. You know, you, you don't want a lot of inconsistencies and, and what's up moments. And, you know, if you want to actually believe that somebody knows what they're talking about, they better be rock solid. And that includes on the details. So, yeah, at, at this point, it, you know, we're all talking about it, but certainly not with the, the solemnity of this actually being a problematic witness for the prosecution that we might have thought if we knew less facts than we do. Oh, good, good SAT word, <laughs> solemnity, solemnity, gravitas, if you will. I've won- I, got, I got that word from Nancy Pelosi, right? Oh. This is a solemn proceeding. That's very good. I have one more question, yes. and we got like a hard minute to go. The Apple company and uh, their fabulous iPhones are under scrutiny from the feds because the Saudi guy who shot up the uh, Pensacola Air Force uh, Naval Air Station, he had his iPhone 5 and iPhone 7 with him, and they've reconstructed the hard drives, but they're locked. And I'm wondering, Apple's saying we're not going to unlock them. The feds are saying, come on, it's national security. Do people who are here as as like students on guest visas, do they get the same Fourth Amendment protections as the rest of us get? Everybody has Fourth Amendment protection. It's about it's about persons, not citizens. But this you, you highlight a really important point, Mike, this battle. Uh, has been going on for years. Remember, you know, we had our great mass shooting a couple of years ago. Um, really, it really was a large fight and battle between Apple and between the FBI and who's going to unlock the phone because, I mean, these are tragedies. They're heartbreaking. We want to prevent them. We want to find out who's behind them. And then that comes up against this right to privacy. So each time we have this this battle, and it's such important battleground. You're talking about privacy in the Fourth Amendment, but we're also talking about keeping people safe, which is first and foremost on everybody's mind nowadays. Um, we're watching very closely to see the way these disputes play out and ultimately to see the way courts start to make case law. I always say technology has outpaced the law, so we love to see these court battles actually go in front of judges who can help wade through some of these issues so we'll have precedent to rely upon the next time it happens. Fantastic stuff. Her name is Wendy Patrick. You can find her at wendypatrickphd.com and frequently on this show. Thank you, my friend.